Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we discuss today's digital revolution by speaking with the thought leaders and business executives who are changing how the world lives, works, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Wayne Saden, who's a member of our Digital All-Stars and has been doing a running series with us on every month called Saden on Digital. And Wayne has appeared with us a few different times. He's an advisor to boards and to CEOs about how they should engage with CIOs and CTOs and how they move digital fully into the mainstream strategy of the business. Wayne, welcome. Good to have you back. Hi there, Bob. It's always good to be here talking about these things. Thanks. We've had, uh, we've had a lot of fun. We've talked some with you about, you know, how does the CIO interact with the board? What's the role the CEO has to take? How does the board get involved in things? Cybersecurity. And Wayne, one of the things I was hoping we could get to today was this a uh, big movement, it seems like for years and years or decades, perhaps, ERP was almost like a, something of a necessary evil inside companies, very powerful software, but hard to use and inflexible, and it sort of dictated how the company had to operate. And Wayne, I wonder, do you think there's a new generation of cloud ERP products coming along? Do you feel that those push the business agenda forward? Well, Bob, I think there's two things going on. The first thing is that there's a new generation, as you say, companies that were born in the cloud, building tools that never lived on corporate computers. And so they're able to take advantage of new technology, um, although they are newer, younger, and perhaps a little less established. Then the big companies, the SAPs, the Oracles, the Microsoft, have been moving their traditional legacy legacy ERPs into the hyperscale cloud, into SaaS apps. And that's changing the game, both on the big side and on the small side. Yeah, now, Wayne, um, I assume a lot of the folks who'd be, who'd be watching this episode have a fairly good idea of what's going on with ERP. But I think, as you've just described it, this new generation, uh, both of ERP providers and also the ERP solutions themselves, they're coming to be fairly different. Like SAP has this dream of tying it all the way around where supply chain meets demand chain and connecting customer experience with operational data. Microsoft talks about the need to break down these big monolithic systems before. Oracle's also trying to figure out how can they connect some of their wide-ranging set of other applications in with this. What are the implications for businesses looking to get into the digital mainstream? Well, the world breaks into two categories, those that have an ERP and those that don't. If you're a small company or you're a startup, you've been living with uh, heterogeneous desktop software, and now you want to make the move, there are the net suites and the work days, companies that have never been in a legacy environment. Very flexible, uh, very easy to configure, real game changers for companies that fit within their sweet spot. But if you want to cover the waterfront, as you say, and cover everything from marketing through sales, through fulfillment, through customer service, you're in the SAP and Oracle and Microsoft world with a few Lawson's and Infor's and ultimate softwares thrown in the mix. So these are all companies that have said, we've got a whole bunch of heavyweight software that takes a really long time to put it in. And lets you run a company of almost any size very, very well if you make a lot of decisions very well upfront make the wrong decisions and you lock yourself in make silly decisions 
and you customize the heck out of this software. So you're paying a fortune for the software, a fortune to implement it, and then you break it on the way in, which was pretty traditional, by rewriting it to look like what the old system looked like that you didn't like in the first place. And so that's where a lot of companies are right now. They've got a 20-year-old legacy ERP. Maybe they're seven, eight, ten releases behind. It's heavily customized. It's running on very old software in many cases, the infrastructure. So you have all the technical debt. And these are the companies that I think are going to see the most change with what's being offered today. Wayne, as they start to make that move, what should they put at the top of the priority list? How do they get into this in the right way to be able to harness the power and the capability and the flexibility of some of these new solutions? Well, as a very smart person said, begin with the end in mind. You are not going to implement your entire ERP suite all at once. It doesn't matter who you are. Nobody's going to spend 10 years implementing every product and then cut it over. So you have to start somewhere. If you have a problem with some part of your ERP suite, you could focus there. If you have a no problem, you just want something more capable or more flexible, or more probably you painted yourself into the corner with legacy customizations, with rewrites, being old on releases, being old on infrastructure. Um, you've got to start with the big picture. What am I trying to accomplish with this ERP? So a couple of things you might be trying to accomplish. Number one is we've outgrown it. It's a small product, it's a vendor that's been acquired, it's a vendor that's gone broke, they've fallen on hard times, and they just don't support our needs. Or maybe we bought a more monolithic product, a counting suite, and now we realize we need warehouse, and transportation management, and field service, or maybe marketing and sales to go along with it. Or maybe we need a more modern approach, we need uh, mobile devices, we need uh, customer sensing devices, IoT. So you gotta look at why you're doing it, and I'll say the reasons are often vendor problems, you've outgrown it, or your technical debt is just burdening you where you can't get out of your own way. So depending on which, which problem you're facing, you may be faced with a different set of decisions. Yeah, so Wayne, you know, I think one of the things you're describing there is this interconnection across all those different pieces. And I think in the, I'm gonna call it the old world, of, you know, not that many years ago, but you know, things moved in sort of that Newtonian or mechanistic way. You know, it started at one point in the company, moved to the next, to the next, to the next. And this sort of the ERP system broken down into all these different modules could perhaps handle that in that old fashioned step by step linear way. But today it's almost like all those things have to happen simultaneously. There's almost like a real-time convergence where so many parts of the companies are acting in concert. And I wonder if, you know, it's an industry term, ERP. I don't think any business person ever came up with that. But I wonder if we're going to start to see the beginning of the end of even the terminology ERP. Does it match up with the challenge and the capabilities that businesses need today? No, it doesn't. But I'll tell you what, I think the terminology will be with us for a while because that's what all the consultants know and that's how they make their living is by selling you an ERP suite. But you're absolutely right. If you think of accounts payable, accounts receivable, I can't think of billing, think of warehousing, think of trucking. That's the way you're describing the old vertical way. Today, you've got to look at systems of engagement. Remember a few episodes back, we talked about systems of record, keeping score in your ERP. Once a month, somebody comes up with the trolley with the green bar paper and dumps the production report on your desk. Now it's state-of-the-art 
every second counts, 24 by seven, every time you turn around, it's being updated. So we've got to start looking at the processes and go horizontally across our organization. Where does a customer get acquired? What's that process look like? How do we do a bid or an estimate? How do we win the sale? How do we then manufacture, create, deliver, bill for the system? So when you're looking at a product, you want to be looking across at your process. And while you still have to buy the ERP in chunks, although the chunks are becoming bigger, it's not so much AP versus AR, now it's financials. If you look at Oracle, you look at Microsoft, you look at SAP, they're selling essentially a financial management suite. I actually had to talk to a customer who wanted an ERP and we realized they want an FMS, a financial management suite. They weren't as interested in manufacturing, they weren't as interested in warehousing and transportation, yet the first thing they wanted was better forecasting ability, better scorekeeping ability, better decision-making ability. And so that starts with the core financials. And so that, when you look at any of the major vendors, is being sold as a package rather than, I think I want AP, but not GL. We don't think that way, even in the most old-fashioned companies. Well, Wayne, I like the, you know, where you were going with that when you said, how is a company, uh, how is a customer acquired? How does the customer engage with you? What does that customer want? And I think the new language is going to be oriented around instead of inside the company, the internal operational facet that the whole ERP language was built around to being one around the customer and what's happening on the outside and how do we harness the end to end capabilities of our company to delight and dazzle that customer. So I'm not trying to go overboard that the language, you know, modern language will change crappy software or old fashioned software, but it's a <laughs> mindset where I think the industry has to start to get to. Well, I think we, the customers have to get there. When I work with clients, we talk very little about AP versus GL versus FA versus field management. We talk about processes, partly because if you look at Sarbanes-Oxley, you look at audits, you're being audited on an end-to-end -end process. If you look at how to make the company more efficient, it's about breaking down silos. You remember the old days when everybody would put something in their outbox, they'd come around with a little trolley and deliver it to the next person's inbox. And see, because we broke up our company into departments, whenever that trolley person took an elevator to the next floor, that was a departmental change. Now, to your point, it's all happening in real time. We're making a decision here and a decision here and a decision here, and they all come together to produce a result. The other thing you have to think about is that companies used to be much more vertically integrated. They made everything. I'm going to make the paper bag I put my product in because why not? And today we're realizing that specialization and integration is the name of the game. So I may be partnering with a competitor. I may be partnering with a true partner. I may even be partnering with a customer. How many projects have you done where there's a customer at the other end of that discussion? So how do I bring them inside the process? How do I build a collaboration tool? Now the real challenge would be, how do I build that collaboration tool, which is kind of fluid, and build it on top of this structure called an ERP? And quite frankly, that's what some of the leading vendors have started to do. They've added the RPA, they've added the workflow. Uh, I should add, RPA is robotic process automation. The replacement of a swivel chair interface, type it in, type it in, with a computer to type it in. So I can glue my systems together. The technical term is a composite application, but it's really a swivel chair interface. And now I'm able to glue these processes together 
to create a more holistic experience that may be different for this customer and that customer, where ERPs lend themselves to everybody gets the same experience. And so we're starting to get this fluidity on top of the rigidity and go from a system of record to a system of engagement with an auditable scorekeeping. Because we don't want to lose sight of that. You can't build ultimate flexibility into your system without giving up a little bit of the audit capability. And at the end of the day, especially in a public company, you've got to be able to pass the audit. And now a quick break to hear from our sponsor. SAP Experience Management is helping businesses connect to their customers and then connect customers back to those businesses. Just listening to your customers is not enough. Businesses need to respond, react, and relate to them as individuals. Each one of them has his or her own likes, dislikes, and preferences. By combining experience data with operational data, SAP can help your business turn customer insights into actions that make their experiences better. SAP Experience Management helps you turn customers into fanatics and products into obsessions. Learn more at sap.com xm. The best on SAP. Now back to the show. And I think that point you were just making at the end ties so, uh, so neatly into, you know, the company that created the whole ERP category, the whole product set, SAP, what, 40, 45 years ago. And they've done just a phenomenal job over the decades of doing that. But today, right, you got um, even Bill McDermott, their CEO, he rarely uses the specific term ERP, right? He's, he wants to get them being perceived as and to make the promise to customers that this is something that's not like it was in the past. And now with the acquisition of Qualtrics, I think it's fascinating mm -hmm. that SAP is trying to say, we can run you your inside the company processes and we can also start to tie those in with the outside world. So it seems to me like that was the ultimate promise of enterprise software in some way. How do we unite the worlds of the demand chain and the supply chain? Do you think there's something to that? Well, first of all, I want to correct something. SAP would like you to think they invented the idea, but the first ERP system I ever saw was actually from IBM. It was Mapix. And it was a material requirements planning, which, by the way, in my youth was called an inventory management system. Mm -hmm. And it all evolved from inventory management to material requirement planning to enterprise requirements planning to now whatever you want to call it. That's number one. Number two, I think you're right. The companies selling these traditional in-the-shop ERPs have started to expand. Look at Microsoft and Adobe's partnership, for example, and even their partnership with SAP. So now you've got arch enemies in that space, Microsoft and SAP, with a common data model tied with Adobe that operates on a completely different part of the space, talking about customer acquisition and customer outreach. So now we're starting to glue this stuff together. That's a little bit what I was talking about. We have our rigid system to keep score because the heart of every ERP has to be an auditable transaction register because that's how you go through the SEC. That's how you go through your regulators. That's how you report to your investors. But building that fluidity, that capability to interoperate and interact is really changing the game. And I have to say that I think if you look at Salesforce and you look at, or you look at uh, Oracle to some extent and you look at SAP and Microsoft, you're looking at companies that have built on top of their fixed ERP a much more flexible environment. Um, I know Microsoft's terminology is the power platform, for example, which is Power BI and Power Apps and Flow and Dynamics 365. Salesforce has Lightning. Um, so we're building an environment that allows 
a citizen developer or a professional programmer to actually extend and enhance that traditional close, hard to modify, very slow and bureaucratic ERP. Because that's the other thing that's coming up. When I had an ERP living in my shop and you're a big company, you make changes to the ERP, oh, every year or so. You can't mess with this tightly interlocked process. Today, we've got to make changes sooner, but we can't break the process. So adding a lightning or a power apps or some of these other tools on top of my ERP allows me to do a lot more customization and a lot more integration that the designer of the tool maybe never envisioned. And frankly, maybe I never envisioned when I bought the tool and put it in two years ago. So Wayne, you've touched on you know some of the big players there, and a few minutes ago you mentioned Workday, and I know that in Workday's last quarterly earnings call, one of the things that their CEO and Neil Bushry talked about, he said, was for the first time they saw a significant number of customers buying Workday financial management applications before having acquired Workday's you know flagship HCM product. Mm -hmm. So. If you're a CEO or a board member, you're looking at it, this landscape, you got all those big companies you mentioned, you got Workday and you know a bunch of these other ones coming in with some really interesting modern new tools here. So I know every business out there isn't the same, but generally, what, how would Wayne Saden advise a CEO or a board to move into this modern ERP world? Well, I think it comes down to your appetite for risk and also your scale and scale. Scope. If you want a system you can't outgrow, that's going to be Oracle or SAP. Those are the global systems. You never are going to run out of a partner to customize them, an add-on module, or you're not going to run out of scale either. A little below that, but catching up very quickly, is clearly Microsoft. Um, they've got a very capable platform in Dynamic 65. It is not your father's SL and GP and AX and NAV and all those pieces put together. It is a very robust system. So you've got those three that I think tell you you've got a support structure that's global. You've got a company that's been around a while that knows how to support enterprises. Now you've got the NetSuites and the Workdays and others. Very clever, very good programming, very clean architecture. Probably an architecture you can live with for many years, well, we have to say that SAP and Oracle and even Microsoft have a lot of legacy code they're carrying forward for customer compatibility. So how do you want to bet? Do you want to bet that a Workday or a NetSuite or others will scale their global organization, will scale their partner organization, will scale their channels to give you what you need when you need it? And in return for getting cooler, easier software that may be better architected, maybe not, you're, you're giving up something. You're giving up that stability and ecosystem. Or do you bet on the ecosystem? But I think the answer starts with most big companies have an ERP already. And here's something I want to caution. If you let your ERP get out of control, if you started doing silly customizations and ripped up the heart of your system, the answer is not throw that away and get a different vendor. I've seen several companies say, my ERP with vendor A, and I won't name names, is messed up. So I'm going to switch to vendor B. But what they're really saying under the cover is, I've let my business units or my countries run amok, and I don't have the nerve to confront them on the business practice. So we're going to point at the CIO and say, it's your problem. We're going to get a new ERP, and you, CIO, will put it in right. So 
that's a mistake. If you're at the board level and you're looking at an expenditure of eight or nine figures to put that in, ask yourself, what problem are you solving? It's probably not, despite what you hear, the vendor's problem. It's probably not SAP or Oracle or Microsoft has bad software. It's that you might have made or your predecessor or your predecessor five removed made some poor choices because the key to putting any enterprise spanning system in is governance and risk management. What are you getting? What is it costing? How are you doing it to minimize the disruption? So start thinking it's just good management and put the technology a little bit to the side. Manage your business. I say to people all the time, you can outsource your software, but don't outsource your brains. When that's something you've come back to a lot, right? It was, you know, your, your point over and over is the technology can be wonderful, but don't think that the technology is somehow magic. You put it in, you haven't done your homework. You think I've got a bad overall strategy. Good technology will fix a strategy. It, that won't happen. And Wayne, the last thing I wanted to ask you about on this, again, I know there's not a one answer fits all, but you're sitting on the board of a company. You realize that, you know, some competitors have passed you by in your industry. Some upstarts are coming in and nipping away at parts of what you're doing. You've got to jump forward into this digital world. There's going to be one of these big projects. It has to involve in some way some additional software or some new software. Are we looking at six months, 12 months, three years? What's a reasonable time frame to think about some solid steps forward for a company to undertake? You know, that's a cultural question as much as anything else. If you give me the right culture, I don't care what the software is, I will put something in in six months that will make some customer somewhere happy. If your culture means that we have to make a decision that satisfies every need before we satisfy any need, if your culture says we only IPL the mainframe once a year, then it might take longer. So culturally, you have to start with tone at the top. The board has to say, we need to make this customer segment happy, or we need to move into this customer segment, or we need to move into this geography, and be prepared to incur technical debt. I've talked about it as a bad thing, but sometimes it's not. You are essentially saying, I will pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. If you go back to the old Popeye cartoon, what I'm saying is I may choose to build what I call scaffolding around my system. So I have an old ERP, it's creaky, it's got technical debt, and maybe I'll add some flashy thing over here, and then I'll build an interface. Now, I still haven't fixed my core problem, but I'm able to address a customer interface. I'm able to attach a system of engagement to engage somebody somewhere somehow. And maybe the, the, everybody's scurrying around making it work, but that gives me time to replace pieces of my legacy system. And, and I will say one thing, moving stuff to the cloud just to move it to the cloud is generally a bad idea with one exception. If your infrastructure, your servers, your networks, your security are falling apart, and I can't tell you how many companies, if you dig down deep, that's absolutely true, and I'm talking about some big companies. By moving your applications, which sits on top of the infrastructure, over to a Microsoft, a Google, an Oracle, an Amazon, you get to dispense with a lot of that stuff, the technical debt that may be weighing you down. So it may be a very rational strategy to do what's called in the industry a lift and shift. Don't redesign it. Just get it the heck off the bad stuff. And now you've got some breathing room, a little better security, better scalability, better support, and you can focus on the real business problem. 
Remember, if you created the problem over 20 years, you're not going to fix it in six months. But at least we can put the lipstick on the pig and start building a process that delights customers without having to build everything. So it's uh, interesting how you said it comes down so much to the, uh, the culture of the company, right? Until that can be resolved and addressed and understood, and then either we're going to maintain that or we're going to try to fix it. That's the gating factor, right? Not what some tech vendor has or doesn't have. Yeah, don't, tech is not a panacea. We keep saying that. If the company culture takes a year to make a decision, don't ask how you're going to beat Amazon or Uber or Airbnb at their game. The answer is you're not redeploy the capital somewhere else. You're just not going to keep up in your business. And I don't care what business you're in. There's somebody around the corner moving faster than you are. And so the challenge at the board level is how do you partner with IT and the business so that you're managing risk? Because we can move as fast as you want if you don't care what I break along the way, which is clearly a crazy approach. Uh, and a, a new company, that may be their business model, right? We move fast and break things. But if you are reporting to Wall Street, you are not moving fast and breaking things. So we've got to move fast enough not to break too much, but still start shifting the culture into a faster cycle of speed. And we can do that with cloud technology and other disruptive technology. You know what I found in clients, even those with old systems, old ERPs, if you give them good collaboration tools, if you give them good working environments, if you give them better ways to get to their data, you can unlock so much creativity and so much productivity that you start what's called, of course, the flywheel effect. We get a little faster and that makes us a little faster and that makes us get a little faster. And all of a sudden we've gone from, as they say, good to great. Yeah. And that doesn't require a lot of technology. It requires a little technology applied correctly. Wayne, that's uh, great thoughts there. You know, very, very good insights on a complicated issue, but, and I don't mean to, uh, try to pretend it isn't complicated, but you've simplified this by saying, you know, don't worry about the stuff that's outside of your control. There's a lot of things in your control is the management and the board of a company. Get those things right, then bring in the other pieces, you know, to, to move your way into the future that, you know, there's, there's no other shortcut to that. But so Wayne, I want to thank you again, a great uh, additional episode here of Saden on Digital, and we'll be back next month to uh, have another conversation about how CEOs and boards can work with the C-suite and the company to get this new digital business strategy put together and help their companies move into the future. So Wayne, thanks again. Thank you, Bob. And, and thank all the people watching and listening. And I look forward to getting some feedback from the audience. Great. Uh, yeah. And let me add uh, my thanks to Wayne's to all of you for watching. Uh, we're delighted that you spent some time with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Please share your feedback with Wayne, with me at bobevanspa at gmail.com. Thanks again for being here. We look forward to seeing you next time here at Cloud Wars Live. Mm -hmm.